Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today's show, today is the 8th of October. We are on Dream Theme Thursday, although yesterday, for whatever reason, it was Thursday to me, and I was doing all the stuff I do on Thursday yesterday. I don't know why. Days are like melting into each other. However, our weather is changing, and it's getting cooler, and I know that sounds funny in Southern California because we're talking about it's like 70 and it's cooler, but it is a lot cooler. It's like 20 degrees cooler than what it was a week ago. So we're really doing well on that front. I'm loving that feeling of fall and we don't get it every day. But today I have four dreams from two people. So each one had two dreams. Kind of um, interesting how that works. So let's start with the first one. Hi, Nadia. I have two dreams if you have time. The first dream, I went to visit my friend's home, which was very clean and spacious. My friend is going blind and may have cancer in her bladder. In reality, my friend has a lot of clutter and hoards things in her home. Also in the dream, I went to her restroom and the faucet was on with a cup under it and the water overflowing. I peed in the bathtub because I didn't see a toilet and used the water in the cup to wash the urine away. Her house being so clean and spacious was the highlight of the dream for me. I was so happy for her. The last two dreams I have ever had of visiting friends in their really nice homes in my dreams who were also very sick ended up passing away. I wonder what this dream is about. Well, you have two dreams that kind of give you a clue, but bigger than that, what you're seeing is all of life's burdens, and no pun intended with all the water and everything you're doing, but wash away. What you're seeing is who the person really is, not what they have become. Because when we pass, when we die here, we are no longer attached to anything. We are even no longer attached to the illness that took us away from here. Our circumstances are are the way we're going to leave, whatever that is. And that's the one thing that people tend to fear most is how am I going to leave? What am I going to get? What am I going to have? Is it going to be an accident? Well, how am I going to die? Because we all know we're going to. But there's something very interesting in people who are already ill. Because in their mind, that question is answered. 
as far as they can answer it. So how they're going to die, now they know. And because that's something that can breed a lot of anxiety in us, and now they know that, that anxiety is gone. And when that anxiety goes away, a lot of the stuff we hold on to, she may not have the energy to clean out her surroundings, but the cleanliness is what's happened inside of her. It was hard for you to navigate in her reality because of what you were dreaming about in the house or how the house really is. But you were seeing her without all of those things. And it's pretty, I want to say, realistic to assume that somebody who has cancer and they're in the late stages of it, the chances get less and less over time because the body, if it didn't improve and start to go into a remission, gets weaker fighting the cancer over time. Because when we first get it, we're the strongest, right? We haven't been, you know, over-medicined and we haven't been, you know, over, I want to say, jolted with things like chemo and radiation and, and all of that. Because I have seen the after effects of those things in younger people and some of the side effects in younger people. But when you're older, the people I've spoken to who've had cancer say that when they have the chemo, now they do that slow drip and they'll put like an IV type, um, they they have a name for it, it's like an entry point that they keep in and then you slowly dose the chemo. But when you do that huge shot, aggressive chemo, it makes you feel weirdly dead right after. Like you just are exhausted. And I went to go visit a friend of mine who had stomach cancer and she was trying to describe to me what it was like after the chemo treatment and how she needed two or three days to recover, get her energy back, the whole thing, because it it kills everything, good and bad. And now your body has to regenerate. It's working. It's like almost like you've been zapped, which you have been. But it can save your life. It did not save hers, but it can save your life or it can take you. So as you start seeing the progression of illness, the reality that she may not be here is probably a conscious reality because we never want to wish anyone away when they're sick. But sometimes because we know it's coming, see, this is where knowing the future makes us different. We know it's coming. We start waiting for it because we don't know what else to do. Anything we know is coming is like almost a foregone conclusion. You may not want it to be. It may make you feel guilty, like, well, I don't want them dead. I just don't want them to suffer or I don't. But actually, none of that's even in your hands, which you unconsciously know. So in your dream, you were accepting that she was going and that she was letting go of everything that she attached to here. So that was that dream. When you say, I wonder what this dream was is about, that's that. The second dream, I dreamed I was walking next to a lake at night. I saw my former coworker, good friend, and his brother on a boat. They were busy preparing to sail. 
I continued walking and admired the clear lake. I was about to see through the clear blue-green water. I saw giant snakes swimming in it. I was excited to, sw- to see them. They swam so gratefully, and they were so huge. I kept walking and noticed a young man swimming in the lake. Then I thought to myself, see, the snakes are harmless, or do they see the snake? I think I read this one. You might have given it to me the week before, because the snakes are rebirthing. The fact that they're in water is the rebirthing in motion. They weren't hurting anybody. They were huge. So the the rebirths that we are going through, especially in this time, think about this year. Just this year. Starting in January, we started hearing about a virus in China that was affecting people. Oh, you may, you know what? I think so too, Liam, about doing the first dream already too. I must have. I must have done it at the end of last week's show. So it was meant to go into it even further. Snakes will always, people get scared of snakes in their dreams. They will always get scared of snakes because we are scared of snakes in real life. So what happens when you dream of a snake? Well, because a snake can completely shed its body in full form, it will look exactly like the snake. It doesn't come off in pieces. It's like you're shedding an old self or skin or any of that. So if you ever dream of snakes, I had a man once, we were having dinner, and he said, oh, I can't eat green onions because I I grill them sometimes, and and they taste super good grilled, by the way. But anyway, he said to me, every time I eat green onions, I dream of snakes. And at the time, I thought, ew, you dream of snakes? Let's stay away. Because I didn't know what a snake meant in a dream. Imagine. Had I known. But I didn't. We don't know what we don't know when we don't know it. It's just the way life goes. So go back and you you can hear those. And the first dream was worse. As I was doing it, I felt I did it. And so the second one kind of cemented it. But boy, what a lot of things happened in a week, right? So tell me if I've done this. I'm thinking I did do these. I did. I did it about the children too. Isn't that interesting? So I'm going to tell you about a dream I had last week. And I had it in a daytime dream. You didn't read these ones. Last week's was the one. That's true, but did I read it prior? Oh, geez. How do we even know? But I remember the one with the kids. And both of these were anonymous. I never dreamt that I had two children. I had forgotten the first pregnancy and a DNC had to be done because the child's heart either stopped or never started. I was almost 23 years old, so I had forgotten. It took us a few years to try again, and my son is now 19. I don't remember the dream, but I remember feeling I had two children, and I never felt that before I saw a white feather. 
you know what? Yes, that was two weeks ago because I remember the kids. I remember the person who sent it. Well, welcome to live radio, guys. (laughs) I think that the dream that I was looking for, I am going to retrieve. The person that I sent it said, Nadia, we already did the dream with the cat. The new one is with my parents. So let's go ahead and read that. I had a part of a dream for the show. I was talking to my mom and dad. My dad was going to drive a car, but I knew if he goes in the car, he will die. Seems like he also knew he is going to die if he goes in the car. But he was okay with it. I didn't want him to die. Then my mom said she is going with him in the car, and I said, oh, no. Oh, not you as well. Ah, what a dream. But you know what that dream was telling you? Is that your parents are a unified front, even to the death. That they are both together. They are both in this together. If one goes, the other's ready to go with them. Really think about that. Because that's that unwavering understanding that you are a part of another person that you are a part of them, to the point where you're okay if you're going to die as long as you are together. That's how important being together is. And the other part of it is our parents are going to die for the most part in our lifetimes. They are going to die if things go the way they naturally would go without um, us feeling like, we are, you know, hopefully not going to go unnaturally and, and die before them. But when we think of them dying, what we're also seeing is that we are going to go on. So let's just walk back with this one a little bit. Please think about all the decisions that you yourself are making because you want to please your parents. Because when we have a dream, our parents are leaving, and it's not a tragic dream. It's a reality-based dream for your mind to learn to make decisions as though you were already on your own. They don't have to leave for you to feel free. That happens in certain cultures where the parents are the driving force of the family. They are the ones who are banding the family together. And a lot of times the children, if there's more than one, don't know that until the parents are gone. And then they're not communicating as much after the second parent dies. It's like that parent was unifying the family, and then when that matriarch is gone, the family just kind of goes on. Maybe the kids don't have as much in common. Maybe they weren't taught to work together. They were together. They loved each other, and they still love each other, but their interests 
could be the same or could be completely different, and they have learned to go on, not only without the parents, but also without the siblings. Because the tied-in baggage of how we were supposed to be is not accepted by everyone. So this is telling you, hey, child of these parents, your parents are here for a limited time. They are here to do their own thing, and you are here to do yours. There's a post I put up yesterday, and it was interesting because I didn't even think of it in this respect, and this conversation just took me right back to it. Because something that we are doing is forgetting that our soul is autonomous. So this post says, if we are living life according to what others think, others think or do, we are not living our lives, we are living theirs. So the question is, what will you do? And who are you if everyone knew you knew did not know you? Meaning you are not influenced by anything outside of your world. That's a big deal on so many levels. Because sometimes it's easier to give up who you are and blame your culture, your family, your brothers, your sisters, your job, your school, your romantic interests, whatever it is for your problems. But as we grow from young to middle of our age, we start to see patterns in our behavior like, wow, everybody I get to know like let's say in a romantic setting, because that's where you're going to have the highest turnover in the beginning because you're, you're trying to find a match and that's hard to do. Doesn't come back. Why? What am I doing? What am I putting out there? Every time I go to my parents' house, I feel strangled by the environment. They're living with other family members and they're kind of off and, But why do I keep going back the same way? Why don't I meet my parents for lunch somewhere? You know, think about these things. What am I hiding from my family that I don't want them to know about me because it is unacceptable or I can't share that part of me? One thing I learned because everybody I lived by their rules are all gone, every single one of them. As a kid, I would look at them for advice, and I would look at them for what I needed, what I wanted. And then when they were gone, well, who was I going to live for now? Whose life was I going to fulfill now? And why was I doing that? They're all gone. Why did I base my decision on people who couldn't even stay to give me the reward I wanted, which was their love and acceptance. Because that's why we do it. And we do it out of fear. Fear of whatever. 
their boogeymen coming after us and telling us how wrong we were, how bad we are, because we did not listen to them, all the way down to our decisions of who we marry. Who we marry. If people are from a very tight culture and you're supposed to marry someone who's also Indian or someone who's also Asian or someone who's also Arabic or someone who's also Irish or Greek or whatever it is, someone like you, first thing that person does, they don't even discriminate. We'll choose someone outside of that because to them, that was standing up for themselves without thinking about who they're choosing completely. But the fact that they're different That was their only criteria. So that's how cultures and other people's expectations of us affect us in the pendulum. We either go the whole other side and we don't discriminate, we just grab and run, or we listen so much that when these people are gone, all we can do is be them until we die. And in psychology, that's called the ball and chain. Carry that ball and chain from one generation to another. But you seeing your parents willingly go and they were happy to go together, one didn't fight for their life over the other. They spent their life pleasing each other as well to the point where they don't want to be without each other. Their reinforcements between each other, unspoken, have been so positive. And that's a great example for you to take because a lot of times we kind of push our parents aside and we don't really want to learn everything about them. We just kind of want to get away from them when we're younger because we want to establish who we are. But we don't get married now as, as early as they did and we don't do a lot of the stuff they did. So we start saying, well, you know, they are now going on in their lives. They are now teaching me how to be an older person. But they never lived by my criteria. Oh, wait, it's because I don't have criteria. I have their criteria. What is mine? And this dream is giving you a window into who am I? Going back to that question, it was one of the first questions Christ asked of me was who would you be if everyone you knew did not know you? And the reason that question keeps coming up is that at any given time in your life, at any given time, you will answer that question differently because every day you will have learned more about yourself, about the people you choose to bring into your circle, about the people who fade away and about the people who stay and why? And what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to the mix? I find that people who come from strict cultures, all they're looking for is acceptance. so rigid that if they stepped a little bit out of the line, even though they know everybody else has, but nobody talks about it, nobody talks about it. So in a way, in quotes, it's not real. 
because no one will admit that it is. So everyone lives in this fallacy bubble, and they walk around, and it becomes this whole world of expectations that you carry around with you that are unrealistic and also a fallacy bubble. So pay attention to the fact that look at what's good in your parents. Look at what you like in them because they have a lot of interpersonal skills of communication and resolving conflict. And their voice is one in how they resolve it. And that's something you're learning from them. So while they are here, pay attention so that you can be you the way they are them. Okay, so I got in the chat, Liam says, I'd like to hear your dream. So I'm sleeping. I took a nap because sometimes I wake up earlier than other days. And sometimes I'll wake up at like 2.30 or 3 o'clock or 3.30, you know, a couple of hours before the show. But it also happens to me on weekends. So here I am in this one afternoon, and I was just so sleepy that I, I could have slept sleeping up. So I knew that I was pretty low. So I go to sleep, and I must have gone into that deep sleep and started coming out. And I dreamed I was in somebody else's home. And they were like super wealthy people. But in the home, like when you look at it from the outside and you go in, they have this home that's like a showcase, right? You walk in and everything is perfect and beautiful and artwork and statues and and little figurines and, and, you know, this furniture and it's just on the side. But somehow in the dream, I was in the kitchen and they were cooking. I wasn't cooking. Normally I'm the one in the kitchen cooking, but they were cooking and I was a guest. So I was sitting there and listening to everybody talk, and I go, wow, they're just like normal people. Why does everybody always put down rich people for being rich? They have the same issues all of us have. So I was just sitting there, and I'm just having these kinds of thoughts as I'm watching one normal situation after another. One of their kids comes up. Someone wants to do something that somebody else doesn't want them to do. They want to have to hash it out. Somebody disagrees with another person. And I was just watching, like, all these different ways of communicating within one family. And it felt like the family was endless. Like there were more people coming in. I didn't know where they were coming from, but somehow they belonged to this family. So then I left. I was gone. And I brought my family over to meet them. Because I was like, man, you got to meet these people. They look like this, but really they're like this. They're, They're normal. They're just like us. You don't have to feel like you have to act like, oh, wow, they're rich. So it was like this whole thing about not the money part. Because a lot of people who have a lot of stuff like that could have had it from years ago, and maybe right now their financial situation isn't the same. But our perception, just like the way we are with cultures, tight cultures, no one tells you what's going on today. No one talks about what is real. So I bring my family over and I start introducing my family to them and I realized I couldn't remember anybody's name. 
And I was trying to work my way around trying to figure out what their name rather than ask because I felt embarrassed that I couldn't remember their names. And in it, the mother took my hand and said, Kay, if you don't remember. And I thought, wow, the comfort she gave me because she saw me. She saw me. She realized that I didn't. And I'm not a good one to hide things or able to hide things, but certain things may embarrass me that I may not talk about because I feel like I should, in capital letters, know something. In real life, I have grown to say, hey, I don't know anything about that. I only know this right now, but I may know more tomorrow, but I don't today. But names, that one has always gotten me. But it's what she said after, that even the smallest thing that you may try to hide or not acknowledge, others can see. And I thought about how I always say we're walking billboards of ourselves. We are. Allow yourself to speak on your truth. You guys, I only have like four seconds left. I love you. I will see you tomorrow on Questions Friday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's daily dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.